Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I am so happy and grateful to have Allison Crosswaite with us here today, who is an extreme pioneer in the world of radical risk. Allison's genius lies in her groundbreaking methodology that creates a potent pathway for clients to achieve their biggest, most audacious goals. But that is just the beginning. When working with Allison, her clients are able to move past accomplishment through a divine journey to revolutionize paradigms, systems, and structures. Through the use of ancient breathwork, psychedelics, and sexual practice, Allison helps her clients unlock their deepest performance capacity and untapped power for a higher order of living. Allison's career is wide and varied, starting as a successful stock trader for Goldman Sachs before being inspired by personal events to train as a psychotherapist. During her season as a highly sought-after psychotherapist, Allison studied many modalities and teachings that inspired her pioneering work. In 2020, Allison broke free of clinical psychotherapy, allowing her to master infinite possibilities of creativity, innovation, and performance with her clients through what she calls Billion X Evolution. Allison, welcome, and thank you so very much for being here. I'm so happy to be with you today, Jesse. Thank you. Yeah, me too. I, so let's start. Radical risk, that really stands out and catches the eye, and it's a pleasure to roll off the tongue. What is radical risk? It's taking a leap beyond what you think you can do. So I think of skydiving, which personally is not my thing, um, but it's like emotional and spiritual skydiving. It's like we can go so far, but we, we don't know that we can because we haven't had the role models and we don't see it and there's so much potential. So that's what I think of when I think of radical risk. It's taking your life to the next level by really risking, which is actually not so hard to risk, but we don't risk. That resonates with me because I remember the first time I went skydiving, it was not the adrenaline rush that people made it seem like it would be, or I thought it would be from movies like Point Break. It was actually much more of a spiritual transformational experience with me where there was that initial moment of free falling and letting go. And all of a sudden, I, the thing that was so incredible about the whole thing is I was so present. And it was in that moment, everything went away. Bills to pay, stresses, worries, sickness, health. The, what does this person think? Is she going to call back? You know, is that deal going to go through all those types of things that occupy so many of our thoughts were completely gone. And it was just that moment. It was, it was incredible. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, to me, this is what we can do. We can actually live in the energy of what's important Hmm. and what's real. What do you think is the biggest thing that hinders us from that? Allison, and it's fascinating we're having this conversation. I went on a walk the other day with a friend. Are you there? Yep. Okay. I don't know what happened there. That was a strange Zoom. What do we call those? Zoom eruptions. <laughs> I haven't heard that before. I love it. Zoom eruption. Uh, but you know, it's fascinating that we're having this conversation now because I recently went on a walk with a friend and they were sharing how much they were struggling to find that in the moment because they were so occupied chasing after the things they thought they were supposed to value and chase after. What is it that you think that obstructs us and and obscures us from being able to be in those moments more, having more of those skydive-esque experiences, and then instead 
maybe it's almost like toiling so much of our time away in the minutia of what society deems important. What do you think? So the way I see it is, you know, our first five years are formative. They're formative. And so body, heart, and mind, it's like, you know, you have a small child, you have a puppy, you see it. They're just absorbing how does the world work. And parents and teachers, they're telling us certain things. And they had very good intentions, most of them. It's just, we took it in and we didn't realize that it wasn't all true. Hmm. And so as we get older, we start to be like, why did they tell me that? That's not working for me. And to a certain extent, we can just do it with our mind. We can just toss things out. But they're in our body. They're in our nervous system. We, we still feel that we have to have certain accomplishments or certain amounts of money or certain relationships, whatever it is. And so by working our own life force energy, we actually shed the earlier training that we got. And to me, that's how we break out is through these life force energy practices. And there are so many of them. What are some indicators for people that they are ready to do that deeper kind of work? Because I hear people all the time saying, gosh, I feel like I should do this. And I mean, this is really the time of year where I feel like those things become, those conversations become prolific, where we start to talk New Year's resolutions and it becomes, uh, well, after the holidays, I will. And then in the new year, I will this and that. And it seems like so many of us have goals or best of intentions. And usually most of those goals and best intentions are the end of a trail of breadcrumbs that lead to some sort of deeper yearning or heart desire. So for folks who are really in that place where they realize that they need to do, they, that they might be open to do that deeper work, what are some indicators, some you know, signals that they might look for, for example, that would indicate to them that this is a journey worth exploring for themselves? Sure. I mean, just asking the question is to me a signal. Because if the question exists, then the question exists. If you're wondering if your life's not totally in alignment, it's not in alignment. If you think you could be sleeping better, you could be sleeping better. Um, so just the questions themselves. I, as a therapist, I learned to take every question very, very, very seriously because they're actually statements of experience. And then you'll see... Like, what are, what's resonating with you? Are you following certain people on social media that are inspiring you? Are you curious? Are you, you know, what makes you feel excited and what lights you up? Like, just follow the breadcrumbs and that's how you'll know. Hmm. Is there a difference between what lights us up and what lights us up? And I'll clarify that by saying, my observation of humanity is many of our lives are conditioned on reactionary moments. We're looking for an external stimulus to create an internal response. And I'm a big believer that it should actually be reversed. We should be creating the internal stimulus and then using it to affect the external. And so I say, I say that because how can we begin to decipher what it is that really lights us up? if so much of maybe what lights us up, that old programming, that those lies that we were sh shown or told once upon a time has been conditioned so deeply that 
I will be happy when fill in the blank. I get to go to Disneyland. I finally earn seven figures. I own the house on the ocean. How do we discern what is it that lights us up versus what we've been taught or told is supposed to light us up? Yeah, I mean, this is a really good question. And I think there's a part of the work where it is kind of hard to tell. And part of this is getting in touch with our emotions and our bodies because they don't lie. Mm. But the way that I, the question I like to work with is, did you gain energy or did you lose energy? Mm. So when I talk to a person, do I feel better or worse after the conversation? That tells me something about what that relationship is for me. Now, sometimes there's work for me to do. It doesn't mean that I should push that person away, but it doesn't, it does mean that it's not actually lighting me up. So these mm. are the types of same with books, um, anything we watch, everything that we do, we can just say, did I gain energy or did I lose energy? I like that. And I'm curious, Allison, in your own life, do you find then that you, if you use that as a, as a parameter, do you find that, for example, if you're watching a show and you can tell it's not adding energy, you'll turn it off sooner. Or if you're engaging in a phone call with a person and that person is clearly subtracting energy, will you politely excuse yourself or will you, you know, obligatorily stay on longer than you should because of that? I'm, I'm curious, how do you manage that for yourself? I mean, it's been a path and it's a path every single day. I had this idea in my head that once I created the life that I wanted, I wouldn't have to do this anymore. But the standard <laughs> you know, the universe keeps saying, no, 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 you got to aim higher, higher. So is it hard? Yes. It's not easy to get off a call. Sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. But you cut, the, the more assured you are in yourself, and the more you can see the other person and their beauty and their self-worth, the less it becomes about your negative, I got to get off the phone with you. Mm. It's not that. It's just we're at different places and this isn't feeding my energy. So um, I'm going to find a really beautiful way so that we both feel great getting off the phone. So that, that's the way I'm working right now. I love that. And then for those times when you do get off the phone, you know, calls that you have to do and maybe it deprives your energy a little bit or it doesn't feed your energy. Do you have any post rituals, routines, practices that you do to help restore and elevate energy? Oh, absolutely. I have some mantras that I use, some particular things in the lineage that I study in. Um, I will drink a lot of water, a lot, a lot of water. I will use frankincense to smudge myself. I'll go out in nature. I'll jump up and down. I'll dance with the dog. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter whether it's funny or spiritual. I just move the energy because I will not live like that. It's mm. not okay. How important is it for somebody listening, watching right now, how important is it for them to move to as fast as possible, as soon as possible, move the energy as opposed to sitting in it. Because I feel like a lot of us, we do the opposite. We get off a, well, like we get off a Zoom thing right now and we just keep sitting. We yeah. keep sitting and kind of holding in that energy versus actually going and moving it. It's almost like, you know, in ways it, it conditions us to become, what is that expression? A glutton for punishment. Well, right. It's like, this is the pattern. So I have to sit take this energy on and go through this whole thing of feeling upset, frustrated, down, bad, frustrated with self, angry at self, mad at self, 
so I can finally work through and go through on the other side versus just getting up and moving it. So how, for somebody who's watching, listening right now, and maybe that's something they do, how important is it for them to get up and move right away? Oh, so important. And I'll tell you a secret. After our first call, Jesse, mm -hmm. you know, I was on a walk. Yeah. I was so pumped. I just jumped up and down. <laughs> huh. And so we're not just talking about down, we're talking about up too. I want to express the excitement of meeting somebody new who I feel on the same page with. Like, yes. And I'm moving that so it's not, you know, stuck in a sense. It's yeah. very, we, when I get angry, I get fucking mad. It's okay. So, you know, but yeah. I just let it go through. I just let it go through. And it takes about 10 seconds. It's not stuck. And then it's the next thing. Do you find that then in, I love that you do that after for like something that uplifts you too. And do you find then that when you do it, it, it almost anchors in the emotion, the experience more for you? It does. Yeah. And it, it gets my energy really moving. Cause when I'm talking on the phone, I'm sort of holding myself, right? I'm yeah. being an adult, you know, blah, blah. But then I just let my dog energy out. Like, I'm just like, Ooh. and you just let it start to run right and it's just beautiful it's great did, did you say let my dog energy dog yeah. oh my god i love that let <laughs> my dog i'm writing that one down i have a puppy and she's teaching me everything it's just oh. unbelievable it i and i'm sure you've had these experiences with your puppy I, I got a couple kittens last year and it was just one of the most beautiful things during this whole covid year of being on the ground, and I might have shared this with you before, and just playing with them and being so on their level and looking at them not as an animal, but as their own little soul and seeing just how present and focused they were to something so, you know, to a, a human perception, silly as a piece of string. But for them, they were so in the moment. And it was the greatest thing ever. They would have rather had that string than a million dollars in cash or anything else. And it was everything they wanted in that moment. And I sat there and thought, you know, this moment is absolutely perfect. Nothing would make it better. No of the, none of the parameters that we often attribute to success or quality of life or anything like this moment is so perfect. And it was just being there learning from these little kittens about what it means to be fun and play. And, I, and I'm sure your puppy's teaching you something similar. Exactly. They're beautiful teachers. Yeah. Why do you yeah. think we're so resistant to learning from animals? We've been taught so many things that are based in fear and pain of the generations before us. And we're fortunate now, but we still live as if there's a lot, hmm. a lot of pain that we don't need. And it's hard to be in the present. We got to feel our feelings. God, I just, it's, it's a fascinating dynamic because, and I think here in the U S gosh, it's been on steroids this past couple of years with our politics. And it's very much, a, it's evolving very much into not a, this is what I believe. This is what you believe. It's what's right. And what's wrong. You're right. I'm wrong. You're wrong. I'm right. And in so doing, it's like, I, I see people do this where they're just cutting off any learning because they're already making the decision that they know everything. And I feel like we're starting to treat one another in many ways, similar to how we might treat animals. 
Mm-hmm. In some cases, we treat animals much better than one another because with animals, we might extend them at least the compassion and the, oh, you're so cute, blah, 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 you know. Whereas others, if they have a political sign in front of their yard, we're training our animals to go poop or pee on that sign, depending on what side of the fence we're on. And it's, and it's, it's such a fascinating thing to me because it's like, and I don't know, maybe you can, you have an idea on this, but why is it that we have such a, I don't know if it's such a need to be right or if it's, it's such a need to make others wrong. Yeah. I mean, this is where I've come to on this. I think we're all really vulnerable. Mm. We needed a lot of love Mm. and we need it now. And when we feel that other people are taking our money, our opportunities, our health, whatever it might be, we get very angry and defensive and up in arms. But underneath that, I believe in the the tender hearts behind it all. And that's how I've chosen to see it, that, that it's too painful to consider another person's point of view when I'm in a deeply wounded place. And certainly I see this in myself, in my relationships. I'm at my worst when I'm the most hurt. Hmm. What is the antidote for hurt? I mean, it's love. But I don't mean like there should never be boundaries, there should never be justice. I don't mean that at all. But we have to learn how to care for ourselves first. And that comes from being cared for. And in, in good enough parenting, we are slowly handed back to ourselves by our parents. They take care of everything. And then little by little, they help us take care of ourselves in a smooth, loving process. So we know our own body signals, we know our needs, we speak them. And when that doesn't happen, when that gets interrupted, we need other people to help us do that and hold us into that. And that's what I long for. I long for that for each of us. I long for it. Because we have everything we need. Do you think, and I've been I've been mulling this over a lot, do you think having everything we need at like a, gosh, I don't know how to phrase this. At a, at the most basic level, in some ways becomes a hindrance to love. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is in my, in my own deeper thoughts and contemplations the last couple of years, especially this year, I've always been wildly curious about when folks would travel to other countries and they'd go, they go to places where they're extremely poor and they'd come back and say, gosh, I never have seen poverty so bad, but you know what? The people are so happy there. And it was a universal. It seemed like no matter what the country was, no matter how little there was, they always would come back with the same thing and ask, why can't we be happy there? And my, my hypothesis has this, this thing, of, this idea of, well, happiness metrics are much different, right? For there, you're still working on basic survival needs, clean water, food, roof over your head, those types of things. And, and in so doing, what qualifies maybe as being a successful, happy, complete human being is, did I provide food for my family today? If I did, you know, and everybody's healthy, then we can be happy. 
Whereas here, we do have everything we need in such abundance. I mean, we have excess. It's, it's, I, it's, it's, it's almost comical at Thanksgiving here in the U.S. about how much food people prepare. And the joke is how many days you'll be eating leftovers for. And it's abundance on steroids in so many ways. But in so doing and not having to concern ourselves with basic survival needs, does it hinder our capacity to really learn to love and nurture what really matters? Or to even identify what that is? I mean, I think so. Hmm. I, I think it's a very challenging, in a different way, life task that we have in this continent to create meaning, to um, live according to our values when we completely have the choice not to do any of those things. Hmm. Um, and I also think that some of my happiest times in a sense, maybe not like happy in the sense of like peak mountaintop, but my most connected times have been in crisis because in those moments, what's important is clear. And all the other stuff, you just don't deal with it. But then in day-to-day -day life, here I am, and I got to call the car dealership, and I got to call the cell phone, and you're stressed out by nothing. Yeah, it's, it's, such, a, it's such a fascinating dynamic. And, it, and it's, you know, the first world problem has become how many more pills and potions can we manufacture to try to maintain emotional? And I wonder how many people that I, I read last year that the anti-anxiety, antidepressant industry in, in North America. So I think Canada, us, and it may have been Mexico were included in that. I'm not sure, but I'm fairly certain Canada and us, it was a hundred and almost 50 billion with a B dollar year industry. And I just, I wonder, what percentage of folks who are on, and, and, and the statistics seem to get more alarming where it's something like one in two adults will be on some sort of antidepressant at some point in their life. And so the statistics, I, I just wonder, would those numbers change if you had the ability to magically transport all those people to different parts around the world where there is that, there is nothing, but then they have everything. And you see, would that shift if they went there and they were of service of others and they got to see how people had so much with so little. I, I just finished watching the Schitt's Creek series. And what I love so much about that series is what it was really about is this family who had everything, who lost everything, ended up having more with less. You know, it was, it was really, really heartfelt and warming and they go to this place and they go through this whole process. And, and, and I think it was actually filmed somewhere in the greater Toronto area. And it, it's such a beautiful, beautiful story if you look at it from that perspective. And I just, I wondered that, like what would, what would that do to us if we have the opportunity to live and experience life from that perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be wonderful. And I hear, I hear you also talking about community and they've done studies and the suicide rates are lowest in some of the most tightly knit communities, such as some of the Orthodox religions. Mm. So we can be quick to say, 
this isn't working, but actually there's things about it that's working. So we're talking about what's important and we're talking about community and yeah, things we miss, I think. I'm curious, Allison, how does one go from stock trader to psychotherapist to doing the work you do? And I noticed you said in your bio, broke free of clinical psychotherapy. That was an interesting word choice. And again, because I think the path you're laying out is that path that so many of us think we're supposed to aspire to, right? To be a, 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 a stock trader or a psychotherapist and have that education and that kind of career behind it and those kinds of credentials behind it. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, sure. It's been a long journey with a lot of pain along the way. And mm. it's really been pain that's been my greatest teacher. Um, I was really successful on Wall Street. Um, and I was not aligned. I was stressed to the max. I spent my birthday one time. It took 36 hours because I flew over the date line and Singapore Airlines brought me a cake. Wow. It's not a good feeling. Not a good feeling. <laughs> um, and, and not that one can't live an aligned life on Wall Street. One absolutely can, but it was not right for me. And um, I was drinking a lot and thinking it was normal because it gets very normalized. A lot of things get normalized. And eventually, if life was just empty enough that I sought out a psychotherapist. And thankfully, I found a really good one who really had her own values and had done her own work. And she was interested in what I would say and the things I said as if they were normal, she would be like, what? Hmm. And she started to reflect back to me a different way of being and an interest in how I thought about the world that I hadn't found in my work life. And bit by bit, I started to get really interested in this process. Like, how can just a conversation change everything? But it can. It really, really can. And many, many, many professions don't have listening as part of the dialogue. And so when you're not listened to, you don't really get to know yourself. And that is uh, what plunged me into psychotherapy. And then the universe was good enough to give me a very nice package and I just left and I said, I, I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to study everywhere, everything I can about how we put ourselves back together again. How we, mm. you know, God, it'd be possible that better than this. You've got to be kidding me. This can't be life. You've got to be kidding me. So that's, that's what I did. I feel like many, what you just said echoes the, the feelings that many are struggling with right now is they feel like life as they've known it has been broken. And, and it's fallen apart. Where I live in California, the governor just announced that they're looking at probably enforcing stricter lockdown quarantine measures there. Going back to where we were in March, which would be mandatory stay-at-home orders, restaurants, everything closed down. And in California, we've been in some sort of lockdown quarantine essentially since March. And now going into the holiday season where that's obviously the biggest revenue place for most businesses. I can't imagine what they're going through when a year where already many, so many feel broken for folks who are in that space who feel like the pieces are kind of lying around them. How can they begin to pick them back up? And is it a matter of putting them together again, or is it a matter of building something new with them? 
Well, I just had this conversation with a client. Your timing of your question is so good um, because he, he was like, all the pieces are apart. It's chaotic. Mm. And I said, that's perfect. That's perfect. Because we don't get to something new without falling apart. One of my favorite quotations is from Andre Gide, who says, we cannot get to a new land without losing sight of shore for a very long time. Mm. And I have walked that winter land. Like it is hard work. It's so much quote unquote easier to have definitions, professions, credentials, property, all the things. They, hold, they kind of give us our armor but they're all meaningless when you're jumping out of that plane or when you have a connection with spirit, you realize all of that's nothing. And who are we really? And to find out who we are really, we have to tolerate the coming apart and it will come back together. It really will. And it will come back together new. And there are so many people who understand that and the wisdom of that, which used to be our elders. And, and now you can find those people. You can find them in, in writing and speaking, you can find them everywhere and they can kind of guide you in this process of coming together in a new way. Allison, we're coming up on time. So before I ask my final question, where can people find and connect with you? Sure. Um, AllisonCrossweight.com is a great place to um, get on my mailing list, learn about my work. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at AllisonCrossweight. Very good. Allison, you and I, when we first met, and you had, you had mentioned this earlier in our conversation today, you were out for a walk, and we became kindred spirits over that because I love doing the walk and talks myself. Why has that always been a practice you've done, and why do you do that practice of walking and having conversations? It's hmm. a beautiful question. It's, I mean, in a way, yes, I remember being 12, and having a crush on a boy and not wanting my parents to know. So I would go and walk to the payphone. Really? <laughs> talk to him, yeah. So I guess I've been doing it a long time. <laughs> That's awesome. But in 2020, it's become, really become a thing because eye strain is a thing. Yeah. Rains are a lot. And I love being out in the outdoors and feeling the fresh air and letting nature bring what it brings to me and connecting with a person in an embodied way. I feel very alive and present to them that way. And it just opens my heart. Hmm. Everyone, boy, is this one you're gonna to wanna to rewatch and re-listen. Allison took, took us on such a beautiful journey today of looking at when things fall apart and the beauty that can come from it when if it's broken apart, which I think many of us feel that we're in right now, that's perfect because it's right where you need to be because something new and greater has to be created with a piece of shattered apart. I love the conversation about the dog energy. God, I'm gonna remember that one forever. That's the one to tattoo on your heart because it's such a beautiful thing with the idea of looking at how dogs express the level of excitement. I was over visiting with a friend the other week and every time I go to this house, his dog is just so wide-eyed and excited. It's almost overwhelming how excited she is to just say hello and say hi. And every time I find myself thinking, why, don't we, why aren't we more like that? Why don't we express ourselves more like that? 
Speaking of energy, she talked to us about moving the energy around rather than sitting in it when you go to those, have those conversations, have those interactions, have those moments where it kind of brings you down and you feel maybe a little meh, or you feel like the energy isn't the energy you want, getting up and moving around, jumping around, exercising, dancing, going for a walk, but also using it to help anchor in really positive, uplifting experiences too. Energy and movement are your friend, and that's something that you can really look into. Asking questions, asking yourself the question as just an indicator that there's breadcrumbs for you to follow and begin to look at what is your what is your work that you need to do? What is your radical risk that you need to take to be able to have that skydive s spiritual awakening of what life can really be and the infinite possibilities are available to you? So many of us are fa fail or hesitate to ask the question and settle for a broad generalization or old and recycled statement, as opposed to really leaning into the wisdom and learnings that can come with the questions. I think one of the beautiful things about this conversation today with Allison was there was many questions that were asked that kind of led to a, an exploratory example of what became, I think, a very beautiful conversation. And I'll tell you before I, when I, before we started recording, I asked Allison, is there anything that you want to make sure we cover today? And she said, well, I've learned to just really, I want to just trust in this process. And I think that's a metaphor worth sharing to all of you about trusting in the questions that are inside of you. Trust in that inner guidance that is waiting to come out that again is often blinded by the statements. Your life is your life. It's your masterpiece to paint, not the, mas not the recycled blueprint that society has dealt you. So lean into that, explore it. Allison, this has been such an incredible time to share this with you today. Thank you so very much for gifting us with your presence, your energy, and your heart today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jesse. Thank you. Absolutely. We will see you next time, everybody, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to